What do you think about when you think about boundaries? Do you think they restrict you or hem you in, or that they're helpful, or maybe you're unsure? Hello, everyone, and welcome. My name is Mary Slocum, and today the topic is boundaries, what they do for us, and how we can nurture boundaries so that we can navigate our world with comfort and integrity. First, though, maybe this is your first time listening, or perhaps you're a regular. If something here inspires you or helps you to live a more meaningful life, I hope you'll feel moved to support the show. Follow or subscribe where you listen, download the episodes, and become a member by going over to patreon.com forward slash your mindful life. That's patreon.com, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com forward slash your mindful life, all one word. Your support really matters, and we are so grateful for it. Your Mindful Life Podcast. Healthy physical and emotional boundaries are a good thing. When aligned with our core values, intentions, our speech and actions, our very way of living, healthy boundaries allow us to freely give and receive and to connect with others with respect and dignity. Poor boundaries lead to distress and suffering. One common boundary intrusion is trespassing, infringing on your or another space without invitation. Another is entanglement, getting overly involved in the life of another, being overly concerned about them, and failing to honor their autonomy, preventing them from growing and flourishing. The opposite kind of boundary is just as harmful. A boundary so high and so solid that it keeps out concern and emotional support. The Me Too movement brought into our awareness the pervasiveness of boundary ruptures from trespassing and entanglement, especially in the workplace and in the bed, but really in all facets of our living. Entanglement is especially tricky and widespread. Lots has been written about it in terms of codependency, in which other people are inappropriately involved in getting our needs met, or in which we are inappropriately involved in getting someone else's needs met. In the workplace, trespassing and entanglement can be seen at all levels of the hierarchy. Executives are notorious for using people to get their own needs met. Why do people acquiesce? Sometimes because they know that they can easily be rubbed out, their reputation sullied, their jobs and their ability to earn a living gone. 
Other times, because of a rationale of false hope. This time, if I do this for the boss, I'll get security and visibility. What people forget is that the power is uneven and the boss is holding all the chips. When we bring mindfulness to situations in which trespassing or entanglement are happening, we might first notice something. We might check the feeling tone of experience. We might notice that whatever is happening doesn't feel right. And how does it feel? It doesn't feel pleasant. It doesn't feel neutral. It feels unpleasant. Cultivating the mindfulness practice of noticing the feeling tone of experience is most useful. It's like an early warning system that alerts us to pay attention and not to get carried away in the moment. This is our opening to acknowledging and allowing the feelings that are here so that we can go deeper through inquiry to unravel What is really going on? Some boundaries are not seen. They are invisible because we have become so accustomed to them that we don't see them or because they exist for some groups and not for others. Our systems of governing, banking, healthcare, and education are full of boundaries that cater to the needs and wants of some groups over others. And what does this create? It creates privilege and oppression. We see just how pervasive these boundaries are in Isabel Wilkerson's book, Cast. In this book, we go on a journey of discovery of how hidden and assumed boundaries are. Many of these boundaries are invisible to some groups because they carry an implicit, you are welcome here card. Others without the card find closed doors or heavy obstacles. What is troubling is that while the boundary may be invisible, The result is not. Karma is still at play here. Even though the cause is swept away, hidden out of view, or tucked underneath, the effect, the derogation, the bias, the being overlooked or unrewarded are all visible if we care to look. We have a responsibility to put the boundary under scrutiny and to act to remove it. This is a personal responsibility that requires personal action. Think about food, so basic to life that we assume that everyone can feed themselves. But there are invisible boundaries around healthy food. For those groups with capital and access, the boundary is invisible. For others, The boundary is formidable. A family eating fast food because it's cheap and allows them to live within their budget is running up against this boundary. A family living in a food desert is running up against this boundary every day. A family eating processed food, heavy in fat, sugar, and salt, because it tastes good, 
is running up against this boundary. These boundaries create psychological and physical suffering. A poor diet leads to and exacerbates diseases like diabetes and heart disease. A highly processed diet rewards eaters with the pleasure of a dopamine rush, and then they're hooked, always seeking that dopamine rush. They're on the lookout for highly processed junk food. These invisible boundaries can also show up in us as beliefs and assumptions about what is appropriate for ourselves and others. I recall a friend whose son was applying to college a few years ago. He would need a full scholarship to attend. My friend was distraught. She was so afraid he wouldn't get the scholarship. I remember telling her that if the scholarship didn't come through, her son could attend one of the many community colleges nearby, and if he did well, he could later transfer to the four-year college of his choice. Not going to happen, she said. My son will not be going to any community college. An implicit bias against community college had popped up without her realizing it. This bias put a boundary between her and a potential financial solution if the scholarship didn't come through. How often do we all do this? I think more often than we would like to believe. Healthy boundaries are porous, but not too porous. Solid, but not too solid. Stable, but not rigid. Healthy boundaries respect limits and give ourselves and others the space they need to feel centered and balanced. When we feel that we can operate mentally and emotionally in life as full participants with just enough support and caring from others, then our boundaries are healthy. We feel okay with who we are and how we present ourselves in the world. Our emotions are appropriate and flow through us rather than get turned away or stuck in us. We see clearly. We can take in the whole picture. We use the pause skillfully so that we can respond appropriately. We feel comfortable solo and also feel connected within our community and the world. We know how to take care of and to nurture ourselves. And we can make hard and difficult choices because we know what we value. This is why mindfulness is such a gift because we build the capacity to be aware of not only what we are saying and doing, but what is underneath it, around it, and running through it. By pausing and asking what's the feeling tone of this experience right now, is it pleasant, neutral, or unpleasant? Is it open and flowing, 
or is it tight and constricted? We give ourselves the freedom to pause, to really feel what we're feeling, to inquire inside, explore with curiosity, and uncover our innate wisdom that helps us to form and respect healthy boundaries. This week, I invite you to take some time to explore your boundaries. Do you take advantage of others' boundaries? Or do others take advantage of your boundaries? Choose one boundary that you would like to build, nurture, or that you'd like to lessen. What is it? Write it down. Now, write down two or three actions that you can take to improve the boundary so that it feels right, not too porous and not too rigid. Write down some actions that give you and others an appropriate amount of space that respect everyone's autonomy and that feel right inside of you, not too constricting and not too loose. These actions might take the form of When this happens, I will do that. Here's an example. When my friend invites herself over to eat tonight, I'll let her know that tonight isn't a good night for me, but that next week we can have dinner together and that will work fine. Practice these actions, adjusting them appropriately throughout the week. And notice what changes. Notice how it feels in your body. Notice how emotions flow through you without you putting up a wall or getting all hung up in them. And notice the clarity of your thinking, how you can say yes and mean yes, and say no and mean no, and how that feels just right. Thank you for listening today. I'm grateful you're here, and I'm grateful for the people behind the scenes who make this podcast possible. All of you who are members of the podcast on Patreon, Gorgias Romero for original music, audio engineering, and production, Bill Rafferty for technical web support, Ali Allen for logo and podcast cover design, and Margaret Haas for announcing the show. Be well, be mindful.